Welcome to All Along the Wasatch, a public affairs program produced by Bonneville Salt Lake City. If you would like to submit a request to be on the show, please email mparsons at ksl.com. Now, here's the host of All Along the Wasatch, Mike Parsons. I am very excited today to have a couple of guests to talk about something amazing. Jay Jacobson is the founder and chair of something that is called Community Partners Against Hate. And we also have State Representative Doug Owens here. Thank you both for coming in and, and spending some time to talk about this important issue. Thank you, Mike. This is a great opportunity. So, Jay, maybe you could start and just tell us what Community Partners Against Hate is. It was created in 2019. Kind of why was it created? Why was it started? Tell us, you know, kind of your elevator speech about what Community Partners Against Hate is. Sure, and thank you for that opportunity. Um, My training is in infectious disease and public health, and much of what we do is respond uh, to new and recognized threats. I I think the whole community is aware of that from recent events. Um, I have happened to be the president of the board of the United Jewish Federation of Utah uh, in 2017. And looking backward, just a couple of years, I'd seen really disturbing events in Europe with an attack on a kosher food market that killed a number of people, uh, many very angry demonstrations. And then we witnessed uh, in the United States uh, an attack on the black church in Charleston, South Carolina, and then a march of neo-Nazis in Charlottesville shouting, Jews will not replace us. In response to that, we thought it was necessary to establish a task force on anti-Semitism. With our history, we worry tremendously uh, when we begin to see attacks on people just because of their religion or ethnicity. Um, In 2018, our worst fears were confirmed when there was such an attack that killed 11 elderly Jewish worshipers at a synagogue in Pittsburgh. Um, We were not prepared, however, as we were grieving uh, that attack and feeling lots of fear uh, that our community would show up in remarkable numbers to our vigils. And uh, we saw, for example, the leaders of other minority communities come to share their concern with us and were really struck by the officials from city, county, and state government and law enforcement leaders that came to say that they would all do what they could to see that something like that would never happen in Utah. Um, In response to that, we broadened our reach and and formed what we call the Community Partners Against Hate. And it was very timely because shortly thereafter, there was an attack on a Mexican young man in Salt Lake City, uh, someone unknown to the offender who came into a tire shop carrying a pipe shouting, I'm here to kill a Mexican. And I think that that event locally and the magnitude of the violence in Pittsburgh against two different minority communities made it possible for our partners to come together along with those who showed support for us originally and many, I think, very enlightened legislators to finally pass a hate crimes law in Utah, which is very meaningful to vulnerable communities. Uh, 44 other states and the federal government had passed those laws years earlier, but it proved difficult in Utah. But I think those situations and the combination of concerted effort made a difference. So we now have uh, a law in Utah which enhances the sentences of people who attack others solely because of characteristics that they can't change, their race, their national origin, their sexual preference, or their religion. Um, and the challenge now is getting those offenses reported. And we're 
working really hard, and Representative Owens has been a partner since we were formed and uh, can say much more about his efforts to enhance reporting in Utah, which is the only way we can document the patterns in Utah and begin to respond to and particularly prevent hate crimes here. Mm-hmm. And Doug, I, I was surprised to find out that hate crimes largely go unreported. I, that surprises me. Well, hate crimes, there has been an effort in the last few years to track hate crimes, uh, Mike. What this bill that I'm running this year is to report incidents of bias or hate where it doesn't, it may not arise to the level of a crime. Mm. So if you look, for example, at a, you know, a situation where someone's taking their family to church and someone's standing outside the building shouting mm. uh, insults about their faith, that may be a protected free speech, but it's still nevertheless uh, very antisocial and sure. hostile and could really uh, tamp down, uh, create fear in the people passing that, that guy by. And so what we're trying to do is have a system where we have a hotline to take account of that kind of bias incident, that hostile action that may not be a crime, and track that as well, because that will help law enforcement target resources. You know, mm-hmm. if that's happening in a certain congregation or a certain school or a certain neighborhood, then law enforcement then would be aware, hey, we can intervene here and try to keep crime from happening. You know, maybe go speak to some individuals. Hey, do you know that's very upsetting? And uh, try to tamp down that uh, hostility before it uh, slips before across it the line. A crime. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Jay, maybe you could just uh, tell us who all the partners are. Well, as I mentioned, we were very moved uh, in 2018 when uh, those leaders of other minorities came to show support. And I've also mentioned government officials. So our partnership currently is built around trying to have representation from all of the minority communities in Utah and the relevant government agencies. So, for example, we have the leader of the Utah Muslim Civic League, uh, Pastor France Davis, who many people will remember as the longtime pastor of Calvary Baptist Church. Um, Representative Hollins also helping to represent the African-American community. The Hispanic community, a very significant minority in Utah. We have several people who are our partners who I think are incredibly instrumental in making our community as as welcoming as possible for them. One is the Mexican consul for Utah, Consul Baca. Another one is State Senator um, Luz Escamilla. And another one, Angela Romero. Um, For the LGBTQ community, We've had the leaders of the Utah Pride Center and Equality Utah, and from the Asian community, former Senator Janie Iwamoto. Mm-hmm. Uh, from the Jewish community, obviously myself, but uh, someone who's become very involved in public affairs, Rabbi Sam Spector of Congregation Kolami, and some of the leaders of the Utah Jewish Federation. But we're always open to others. Uh, for example, we recently had an incident at a nail salon operated by a Vietnamese family. It's very important for us that any targeted community feel that they're not alone, that they have the support not only of other minority communities, but of public officials. And at that level, we're really privileged in the resource booklet that we have that has lots of information about hate crimes and what people can do in Utah. Our Salt Lake City mayor, our police chief, and our county district attorney all are there indicating how committed they are uh, to addressing these issues. And I I just wanted to amplify something that uh, Representative Owen said to your question about underreporting. He is absolutely right. 
the national statistics do not comment on hate incidents, which everyone would agree are much more prevalent than hate crimes. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, you made the point that it surprised you that hate crimes are not well reported. A very high profile crime, like a murder at a religious event, draws so much media attention that of course it's reported. But unfortunately, things like property damage to a small business or to an individual's property Mm -hmm. or an attack on a single individual or a threat uh, uttered in a parking lot often go unreported and there are, are critical reasons to understanding that. They're usually targeted against minorities. Minorities often have felt anxious and worried about how their concerns would be addressed by the police. They're often disturbed by the fact that others around them don't intervene and sure, stop yeah. these things. I think that feeds the assumption that nothing will happen if they're reported. I think we're very lucky in Utah. Representative Owens and leaders of law enforcement are very committed to acting if they know about these crimes. So a big effort on our part is to build confidence and let people know that if these reports are sent, as he's working on to a state agency, they will be listened to, details will be kept, and where appropriate, if a crime is committed, a reference will be made to the local jurisdiction and potentially follow up to make sure that that's well addressed. And I should have mentioned right off the top that you can get more information online at shalomutah.org slash community dash partners. And I'll mention that a couple more times before the end of the show. So you can go there, shalomutah.org slash community dash partners. There's some great information there, including a public service announcement. I'm proud that all the, the Bonneville radio stations are partnering with you as well, that we are going to be promoting this throughout the year. Um, so Representative Owens, I called you Doug before, but I probably should call, call you me, Call me Doug. <laughs> yeah. What is it that you're working on to, to get done in the legislature? Well, on this issue, uh, this uh, reporting bill is really imp- it's a very important initiative I've undertaken this session, and we've been working intensively with law enforce the law enforcement community to see if they want something like this. So we've been working with them, and they do support it. This is desired by law enforcement. They want to know those reports of incidents that don't arise to crime, but are nevertheless hostile and shading close to crime mm-hmm. in many incidences. Uh, they want to know about it because they want to allocate those resources and. You know, it's important to our vulnerable communities, Mike. It's you know, all crimes of violence are are terrible in their way. Uh, you know, but uh, the when it's targeted, when hostility uh, is targeted to a vulnerable community, it has an additional effect beyond the the immediate victim of it because it puts all members of that community in fear and anxiety. And uh, and that's why this reporting is needed to uh, be, because of that extra element of the crime. It's important that we, we track that and are aware of it and take extra precaution where, where that uh, vulnerable community is being targeted. There's a really great public service announcement on the website uh, that I mentioned, shalomutah.org slash community dash partners. I just want to play that. You know, there's a video that goes with it, but I, I just want to play it and then you can tell us some of the people that are in this, I recognize several of them. In Salt Lake City, we are taking a stand against hate. And standing for inclusion. For acceptance. Civility. And unity. We take a stand against bias. Bigotry. Prejudice. Violence. Intimidation. And hate of any kind. We are speaking up in support of reporting acts of hatred. And are committed. 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 To supporting survivors. And providing resources for enforcement. In all. 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 All of our Salt Lake communities. We are standing up for your future. In the future of our children. So that no one. No one. No one. No one. No one is the victim of hate. 
and everyone safe? Welcome and free to be who they are. Because, because we are all Salt Lakers. Because we are all Salt Lakers. And taking a stand is what we do. Great public service announcement. And I recognize several people in there. Maybe you could identify some of them. I'd be glad to. And then, of course, we're on radio, so the listeners can't see that there's a graphic at the end, right. which tells people exactly where to report. And uh, thanks so much for sharing that. I think uh, many people would recognize many of the voices are those of children. Mm-hmm. Uh, the adults are some that you recognize and I've mentioned, and I think they affirm the broad support for this initiative in the community. Among those speaking are um, Mayor um, uh, Aaron Mendenhall, Salt Lake County Attorney uh, Sim Gill, uh, Uh, Salt Lake City Police Chief Mike Brown, uh, Representative Hollins from our legislature, and uh, Luna Banuri, the head of the Utah Muslim Civic League, and former Senator Janie Iwamoto. That's not all of the adults, but I want to mention the children who are just charming and sincere, and they are the ones that we want to make feel as safe and welcome as possible. They're a very diverse group of youngsters who represent our changing population in Utah, and many of them belong to a program called Youth City, operated as an after-school program by Salt Lake City. Uh, The last thing I'd say about it is you hear them saying, we are all Salt Lakers, we're all part of the community. I think that represents the progress we've made at the city and county level, where we really feel confident that reports of hate incidents and crimes will be addressed very, very um, correctly. We're working with Representative Owens, who's talked to you about the bill that he's introducing, to expand this to the state level, and we really appreciate the involvement of KSL. I think making the public know that at some point we'll be proud to say we are all Utahns, and Utah is distinguished as a state where everyone can feel safe and welcome would be remarkable. We're speaking with Jay Jacobson, who is founder and chair of the Community Partners Against Hate, and State Representative Doug Owens, community partner and also sponsoring a bill to establish a statewide hate crimes hotline. And the website to get more information is shalomutah.org slash community dash partners. And you mentioned at the end of the public service announcement, it says for more information, visit slcpd.com slash hate crime. So there's another place you can go uh, to, both to get more information on also report. And there's a couple of phone numbers there as well. So slcpd.com slash hate crime. You know, I grew up in Utah and Utah has become a much more diverse state just during my lifetime. You know, I grew up in Orem, which was uh, pretty much, uh, you know, not diverse at all when I was a teenager. And, and I've watched the state become more diverse just during my lifetime. So does does the hate crime, I mean, no one is born with prejudice. Prejudice is learned. So why is hate, why is that prejudice still a part of our society? You know, you, you think back to like the 1950s and you think then the 60s and the, you know, the, the national bill that was passed in 1964. And it feels like we've made progress, but then again, sometimes it doesn't. Can I speak to that, Mike? Absolutely. I, I'm I, not sure I, there's I, even a question in there, but well, I'm just I, wondering what, what your feelings on that are. Yeah. I mean, Utah has changed a lot in my lifetime as well. And uh, uh, Utah is a very, an unusual state because a lot of us here have uh, our descendants of people who left the United States because of religious intolerance. And I think it's given us more sensitivity to Mm. the issue than you might encounter more generally outside the state. And I hope that's true. I believe it's true. I've seen evidence that it's true. Um, And I, you know, we have invited uh, and protected our vulnerable communities going way back. Brigham Young gave uh, religious worship space to our first Jewish community way early on. We had one of the earliest Jewish governors in the United States, the second Jewish governor of the United States. So we've we've got a history 
of of friendship and uh, and accommodating vulnerable minority populations, and it's a wonderful thing to be building on it now. I think uh, as we've changed, uh, you know, the, I think the vast majority of Utahns are very embarrassed of the incidents that we have in our state, and I I do think our numbers are better in the state than nationally, but that doesn't mean we don't have a problem. Sure. And so, taking account of that problem and making sure we address it is a really important thing, and I think supported by the vast majority of Utahns. And I'll leave it. At th- I'll leave it at that, Mike. <laughs> Jay, uh, you know, recent events, you know, what's going on right now in Israel and. and Gaza. How has that affected the way your community is being treated? Well, it isn't just my community. That's had a huge effect on Americans that um, I think we've seen more than once in the past. When there's an international crisis of some kind, it creates fear. Uh, Fear creates, I think, quick thinking about who is to blame. And I think there's a rush to blame when we face the unknown stressors. A really recent example in my field, infectious disease, is when an unknown infection began to spread around the globe, we had people who were very hasty to imagine it was either deliberately caused by the nation of China or somehow related to Chinese people as a threat. And we saw the the rise of anti-Asian hate crimes that we hadn't seen in decades in the United States. But in Utah, I think particularly people can remember that when the Second World War happened, there was a lot of anger directed against Japanese Americans families, many of whom were second and third generation Americans. So I think that we we have to acknowledge that there are things that stimulate and provoke more hate. You're absolutely right. It's been with us for a very long time. But I think the attitude of leadership makes a huge difference. When leaders suggest that hateful acts are permissible, it's quite understandable that we will begin to see more of those. And I believe the opposite is true as well, that when hateful acts or incidents, as Representative Owens commented, are addressed as either crimes or undesirable and antisocial behavior, we reset the norms and we try to move back to a time when we were behaving more civilly uh, toward each other. I And you had said earlier a comment I, I wanted to amplify a little bit. It was about people not being born with, say, prejudice or hate. Mm-hmm. I think we must acknowledge that people are born with the ability to discern difference. It doesn't begin immediately, but even at point. the instant of birth, Babies are more likely to represent their mother and recognize a mother than other women or other individuals. As children grow, they recognize that not all children look the same. So bias is actually fairly natural, Hmm. but acting on bias is something that we learn about. And I think what we're trying to do, particularly with our young people, is understand that we all have bias, but some bias can lead us in a terrible direction to the assumption that because people are different, they're inferior or in some ways they're antagonistic to us, when that's simply not true. Uh, We need to overcome or at least manage that bias and avoid the prejudice and violent, hateful behavior that we're seeing more of. There's no question. Currently, people have reported, the Justice Department has reported, almost 11,000 hate crimes in the United States. And we've discussed that they're underreported. They estimate the actual incidence is 30 to 40 times greater than that. And Representative Owens is quite correct. First of all, Utah is a relatively small state, so the aggregate numbers are relatively small. We have about 150 hate crimes in the state, but wouldn't it be staggering to think that it was 30 to 40 times that? And reporting is the way to find out the actual number and begin to address them. 
I know you've taken your program into schools. What can we do? Because one thing you mentioned that I think is crucial is that this starts with fear. I think fear is where it starts. There's a meme that I've seen where it's, you know, fear is this little uh, flame and then the little beaker that's on top of it is where prejudice grows. And it's the, it's the, the fear that causes that prejudice to become something that people act on. How do we address the other end of that? How do we, I know you're in schools, but how do we address the population as a whole and educate them about not jumping to that place of fear immediately? Uh, I think schools are incredibly important, and I think our nation is struggling currently with what to teach and how to teach in schools. But think of what we've just been talking about. Schools are a place where children can be introduced to the differences in their classmates and understand what added value that brings to their community. They can be taught that as human beings, we all experience bias, but that doesn't have to mean judging other people as either inferior or our enemies. And I think your point is very well taken. Often people are afraid, but inappropriately. They're afraid because of things they've heard that are not verifiable. And school should be the place where students learn how to distinguish truth from fiction. Anger and hate are also motivated by ignorance and misinformation, not necessarily fear. And once again, schools could be such a powerful place to address both ignorance and wrong information. We could be doing more in schools, and I hope we will. Um, We have a new school superintendent in the Salt Lake City School District who I think is very receptive to working on programs that are student-led. There's a program, for example, called No Place for Hate, which is in 1,200 high schools in America with about a thousand students in each one. So a million two hundred thousand students learning on their own how to react and respond to hateful behavior. We don't have that program fully implemented yet in a Utah school. So that would be a great step forward. But I think parents can play a very important role here too, as simply by such simple things as asking their children if they've experienced incidents like these in school or if they've witnessed them. And if the answer is yes, which unfortunately it almost always is, then that can be discussed with school administrators, teachers, etc., to indicate to them that there are parents in the community who want to see that behavior addressed. I am encouraged as I interact with younger people, millennials, Gen Z, or whatever is coming up next, how, you know, my own children, my grandchildren, how they don't see that as much. They don't see those differences as much. You know, I remember growing up and, you know, growing up in Orem in the 80s, it was almost all Mormon, almost all white, I was very aware that there was a kid in the school who was African-American. And I was very aware that he was different than us. It didn't make me hate him or anything, but I was so aware of that difference. And I find with millennials, it's just not that big of a deal anymore. They don't think about that as far as different races, different, uh, you know, gender identification, sexual preferences. They're just people. And I, that's encouraging to me. I hope that that's something that that generation will will continue to, to, to hold on to. I think you're right. Right, Mike. I think there's definitely a large cultural streak that trends that direction that you're talking about. There are uh, silos in the culture, though, where that's not true, where, sure. where people get isolated and they get onto a, into a, a, a internet-based community that's spouting a different kind of hateful rhetoric. And uh, it's important to reach out. You know, it's when we're connected socially with each other, it helps us all be healthier. And if you if you see people who are isolated and angry, reach out to them and see if you can't help turn them around a little bit and connect them to people because it's when people go off on their own and are, are uh, become simmering in their in their hatred and they're just hearing an echo chamber online about their own way of thinking. It, it's important to be on the lookout and help those people. 
So what would be your message to people listening right now as far as what each individual can do? Well, I would like for them to do one simple thing, which is reach out to your legislator and ask them to support the bias incident reporting bill that's going to be coming up this session. Because I think it'll it'll be a tangible step forward for official Utah to take awareness of how much of this kind of stuff is happening and, and to be able to address it a little more effectively. Jay, any last thoughts for us? Yes, I, I think I agree with you and Representative Owens that we're very fortunate that younger individuals don't seem to hold the inherent ignorance or anger toward many minorities that we knew among our peers. On the other hand, it's always been the case that violent acts of hate are are done or performed by the minority. This has never been the case that it's most people who behave this way. So a couple of practical steps. I think that the generations that you mentioned may themselves not be perpetrators, but they don't often engage and step up to prevent these things or even engage in the political process to get things done that would make life better for the vulnerable minorities. The other one is, even before the bill passes, if they witness a crime uh, or a hate incident, they can call their local police department. I'm very confident in Salt Lake City and Salt Lake County that a call like that will be appropriately managed. And so I think not remaining silent is probably the strongest advice I would give to anyone. And it is appropriate to call 911 if you're witnessing a hate crime in progress. That is completely an appropriate 911 call. Uh, We completely agree. And that's actually making an opportunity uh, for the police to intervene, perhaps before the results are even worse. So that's absolutely right, but calling the other non-emergency mm-hmm. police number is very important, even if you're not sure if what's happened to you is a crime. That's where the expertise is. And again, a call like that should be recorded so that even an incident mm-hmm. is well known. If the same individual perpetrates multiple incidents over time, that's often a signal that that's escalating toward what could become right. a crime. There's so much more to discuss, but we're unfortunately out of time. I appreciate both of you coming in. Uh, I think it's amazing work that you're doing, and we will continue to support it throughout 2024 with all of our Bonneville radio stations. Uh, We've been talking to Jay Jacobson, who is founder and chair, and State Representative Doug Owens, who is a partner and working on legislation. Thank you both so much. I'll just give that website one more time, shalomutah.org slash community dash partners. Thank you for the work you're doing. Terrific, Mike. Thanks for having us today. In Salt Lake City, we are taking a stand against hate and standing for inclusion, for acceptance, civility, and unity. We take a stand against bias, bigotry, prejudice, violence, intimidation, and hate of any kind. We are speaking up in support of reporting acts of hatred and are committed, 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 committed to supporting survivors and providing resources for enforcement in all, on all, all of our Salt Lake communities. We are standing up for your future in the future of our children so that no one, no one, no one, no one, no one is the victim of hate. And everyone's safe, welcomed, and free to be who they are. Because Because we are all Salt Lakers. Because we are all Salt Lakers. And taking a stand is what we do. Thank you for listening to All Along the Wasatch with Mike Parsons. If you would like to submit a request to be a guest on the show, please email mparsons at ksl.com. That's mparsons at ksl.com. 